0: 60s with the book that was entitled The Bridges of God. It was a book on missions. Uh, this philosophy was propagated and popularized by C. Peter Wagner in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s in Fuller, Fuller Seminary. Uh, its mantras included, quote, never criticize any method that God is blessing, unquote. Or another mantra it was this while the message never changes, methods must change. Those were some of the mantras uh, that were given. And while there might be some truth to, to some of these things, but basically this philosophy, the philosophy of this movement is, w- was stated in this manner. If a local congregation is not growing numerically, it signifies that they are deceased or dying. If a local congregation is not growing numerically, it signifies that they are deceased or dying. And if you're not aware of this, these are the basic tenets of what is known as the church growth movement uh, that began back in the 60s. Now, let me say, I am not anti-church growth, uh, nor do I believe that the only way a church becomes large numerically is through compromise. I pray for numeric growth. I ask God for our church to grow numerically. When you read about the book of Acts, the book of Acts recounts the church numeric growth. It tells you this many people got saved, this many thousands of people were added to the church. Uh, so I, I'm not anti-church growth by, by any means. However, once you pass, once you move past the book of Acts, you find two things. The first thing you find is there's no mention of any church's numeric size. You don't know. We, don't have, we have no idea how large the church at Philippi was. No idea how large the church at Corinth was. No idea how large the church at Galatia was, or Ephesus, or Thyatira, or Sardis, or Pergamus. We have no idea. Scripture doesn't tell us. The second thing we know is this, is that the church growth that God does command is not numeric. God does command a church growth, uh, but the church growth that he does command is not numeric growth. Now again, I'm not anti-numbers, and I pray our, that God would grow our church. Pray that God would grow our church numerically. We'd see people come to Christ and baptized and the church added unto. And I, I hope you pray that way. And I hope, I hope you do things to reach out to people. But again, that's not the kind of church growth that God commands. The type of growth that God commands our church to experience is the emphasis of today's text. It's a growth that is impossible it's a growth that is impossible to obtain apart from the proper exercise of each individual spiritual gift. Again, remember, what we're looking at here, just kind of a, a quick review, what we're looking at here is where Paul talks about, he want, as he's talking to the Ephesians, in chapters 4 through 6, he deals with the, 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 the pragmatic issues from the doctrine that he's been teaching in, in, verse, in chapters 1 through 3. And he talks to them about the fact that we are to bring... There's certain things about us from our call. There are certain truths that are ours, that exist. However, we have to, just because that is true about who we are, we have to bring the level of what we're doing up to the, up to the level of who we are. And in this first section, it's a section about unity. And we found, as we looked at the earlier verses from chapter 4 that a church never has to establish unity. It's not the job of a local church to establish unity. Nowhere should church leadership sit down and say, how can we establish unity in this church? Unity has already been established. That's our calling. Because of the work of the Spirit, because of the work of Christ, because of the work of the Father, we have unity. Unity is ours. It's our calling. But what the church is expected to do is to maintain that unity that's our calling our calling is the fact that we are one in Christ but because of our depravity because of our sinfulness because of the fact that we're human beings who are being transformed into the image of Christ we have to bring the our calling up to the le, our, our conduct up to the level of our calling and in this context he says how that happens is through the use of of our spiritual gifts. That the tool that God has given a church to to use to fulfill His command of maintaining their calling is by each child of God as, as part of that local body using the spiritual gift or gifts that God has given to them. Spiritual gifts is not about me becoming a fulfilled person. Spiritual gifts is not about me being able to brag about what gifts I have. Spiritual gifts are not for my benefit whatsoever. But God has given me and God has given you spiritual gifts in order for our church to maintain its unity. So he's been dealing with that. and He's been diving deep into this. That's, what, that's one reason why we spent so much time in it is because Paul just Paul is just making these points and, and, and we're finding these little these offshoots that, that go in different directions uh, because of what it means to be unified. Now, this morning... Our text is governed by three prepositions. Let's trans- look, look, at, look at verse 16 again, and there's three, tra- there's three prepositions there that he talks about. The first one that we're going to look at is from. The second one that we're going to look at is, begins by the word by. And then the next, last one that we look at begins uh, with, with the, the, the idea there where it says, uh, so that but uh, th- 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 when he says by every joint which is equipped, uh, when each part is working, and the idea there—it's it, not translated in the ESV, but it's there. But should be so that makes the by- or, I'm sorry, there it is. So that so that it builds itself up in love. So that it builds itself up in love. So those are the three things. So we see from which is the source of our growth, which is Christ's skillful fitting. We see the word by which describes for us the means of our growth. Which is, you do what you do. My favorite sayings, you do what you do. And then finally is, so that, which is the goal of our growth, which is robust love. And so Paul Paul packs a lot into that verse as he closes out this section. So let's look at the source of our growth. Let's look at this, he's, he's talking about unity, and one of the things that he talks about when we use our spiritual gifts is that we can experience the kind of growth that God wants us to experience. But the source of that growth is Christ's skillful fitting. In verses 14 and 15 that we've looked at the last couple weeks, Paul spoke of the negative and Paul spoke of the positive purposes of growth for individuals who make up the body of Christ. Go back, to, uh, go back to verse 14. He says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We talked about the fact that, that part of, one of the reasons why God has given us spiritual gifts is so that we use those spiritual gifts to protect one another. As we are exercising our spiritual gifts, we become a spiritual security team for one another. We help one another because we're all prone, we're all prone to childishness. We're all prone to being deceived, and so part of using our spiritual gifts help that. He says, but rather speaking the truth in love, we're able to grow up into Him, uh, uh, who is the head into Christ. And so then there's individual. As we use our spiritual gifts, we grow individually. I cannot grow fully as a believer without you. We cannot grow fully individually as believers without one another. Uh, individual spiritual growth is a community exercise. There are certain things, yes, that I, I'm responsible for, from the spiritual disciplines. I'm responsible for doing certain things. And, and, and that has a great deal. That's a great factor in my spiritual growth. But if I'm going to become the fullness, I need, I need you and I need because there's things where where you're much farther along in your walk with the Lord than I am, and I learn from that. I see from that, and I may never never rise to the level where you might be, but I'm going to be further along than what I would have been had I not been able to be around you and watch God work in and through your life as you exercise your spiritual gift. And so those are the two things individually how we benefit. We have indi- when you use your spiritual gift, you are bringing individual benefits to people within this church. But verse 16 is about the corporate benefit. How do we benefit corporately? What does church growth look like corporately when the church corporately is exercising their spiritual gifts? Well, Paul talks about that. And again, as we said, he shifts his his, his focus here to the corporate growth of the body. So look at the text again. He says, From whom the whole body joined and held together. From whom, going back to Christ, Christ is not only the goal of our growth, individually and corporately, but Christ is also the source of that corporate growth with the following words that indicate what He provides as the source. Okay, Christ is the source. So what does He do? What does He provide for us in order that we might be unified, that we might maintain our unity? What has He given that as we use our spiritual gifts that enables us to maintain our, our unity? And Paul describes Christ with two terms. He describes Christ, first of all, It's from whom the whole body joined. That is a word that was used of masons. Christ is pictured here as a skilled mason, a stone setter. And a mason uh, was was somebody who built something by, again, he he was a stone setter. He put, he would take, if you're going to build a building, you would would take certain stones and put them together to make your building, to make the wall of your house. They didn't use mortar. In the time of Jesus' writing here, they didn't use mortar. And so basically, that is, since no mortar was used, these stones would be cut. It was an elaborate process that was used. These stones would be cut, and these stones would be smoothed. And, 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 and through this process, they would come and fit exactly together. Kind of like paving stones. Some of you use maybe paving stones to where they come and you're able to put them you 're able to fit them exactly together, and, and, and you don 't use any mortar. well that 's kind of the idea here is that they would take these stones and they would cut them and that they would smooth them so that this stone that would fit with this stone and that would fit with this stone, and all these stones would be put together. so that 's the first thing that Christ does. He, he cuts us. And He polishes us, and He smooths us, and He fits us together. He, fits, he joins us together. We complement one another. We fit together with one another. My, I looked, my stone looks a little different than your stone. My stone is not shaped the same way that your stone is. But Christ takes each of us, and through, I think through the process of sanctification, as He cuts us, and as he, as he shapes us, as He smooths us, as He polishes us, and then He puts us together within the same local body so that we fit together and complement one another. That's the idea here. That's what Christ is. Part of my sanctification is not just about me becoming like Christ. My sanctification is that I am part of a whole and that my sanctification fits together with your sanctification and we, we are, we are complementing one another in our sanctification and becoming unified or maintaining our unity as a body. And we're growing. We're growing because of that. He, Christ is also pictured as a skilled teacher. He says, "...from whom the whole body joined and held together." This word was a used that would describe a teacher whose logic was tight when making or proving a point. You know their their their, their thinking was tight. Their logic was tight. Their argument was a tight argue, a tight argument. In other words, I mean, as you listen to the point that they came to or the point they were trying to get you to, to hold on to, you could see their logic and how their logic fit together, how their reasoning fit together, and it was, it was a tight argument. There's no places to poke holes in it. There's no places to refute it you've got to come to that conclusion because their logic is so logical. Their logic is so tight. Their logic is given in such a way that there's no way to argue with what's going on. And that's the word that's used here. And used in this context, it has this idea of being held together. Christ not only smooths us and cuts us and fashions us so that we complement one another, but because we have... Diversity, Christ is the one who holds us together. He holds us together. Christ skillfully fits his body in a way where they complement one another and they are held together by him. Christ is what holds us together. It's not music that holds us together. It's not politics that holds us together. It's not race that holds us together. It's not gender that holds us together. It's not where we fit at in the, on the economic scale that holds us together. What holds us together is Christ. Christ and, and His teachings are what holds us together. It's what holds us together. And He puts us together in order for us to complement one another. That's the source. That's what Christ has given us. He has made us to complement one another. And he holds us together through who he is and what and, and, and his teaching. He holds us together. Both of these words, joined and held together, have some common characteristics. They both have to do with function. They both have to do with function. In other words, a work is going on here. It's a process. We are in process. Uh, we're, we're constantly being shaped. We're constantly being cut. We're constantly being smoothed. We're constantly being held together. There's a process that's going on here. Because we're, we're hopefully next year we're, we're growing further, not only individually, but collectively in our growth in Christ. And so it, 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 these, these are functional terms. This just isn't something that doesn't happen. Hey, I got saved, I got baptized, I joined the church, that's it. There's no more cutting. There's no more smoothing. uh, There's no more holding together. No, it's not true. These these words speak about work, about function, about something that that is happening. They're also both in the present tense indicating a continuous action. This process is a continuous... It doesn't stop. It it didn't stop in the generations before me. It's not going to stop in the generations after me. But this church should be in a constant... Process of, 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 of this cutting and smoothing and, and shaping together and being held together. It, it, it's something, that should, something we should be praying about all the time, something we should be yielding ourselves to all the time. God, continually work in my life and work in the life of our church and, and grow us to be more like you individually and collectively. Show me where I need to grow and change. We, we don't ever get to the place where we can retire in our walk with God. Well, you know, I'm 70 years old now. You know, I've been a, I've been a believer for, you know, 60 years. I, I can retire now. There's no retirement. Now, now, what I might be able to do changes because of my, what I'm able to do physically. And, and, and I think God's spiritual gifts are fluid. I, I think they can change over time, but depending upon the need. But there's never a time where we retire from this process of God cutting and smoothing and polishing and holding us together. It's something we never arrive. We're never going to arrive until we arrive into God's presence. That's when we arrive is when we arrive. But until then, there's this continual process. And both of these words are passive in voice, indicating that the growth is not due to our own individual self-effort, but the gracious action of Christ who fits and holds us together. It's Christ at work in us. It's Christ at work in us. Christ knows. Listen, there's so much that needs to be changed in our life, it can be overwhelming. But Christ knows where to begin. Christ knows the area that is needed at the moment. And in this time, He begins to work on us in that area. He begins to begins to put the friction in our lives, to allow the friction in our lives, to bring the friction into our lives so that that cutting that can be uncomfortable and that that smoothing and that polishing that can be uncomfortable, but yet it's through that that forms us and fashions us into the image of Christ, not just individually, but collectively. What we're going through right now in our country and, 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 and the thing, it's an opportunity for us collectively, this friction, that's outside, this friction that is outside of ourselves. it's an opportunity as we allow God to work in our lives, as we think through, what does, it, what does it look like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ in this current crisis? What does that look like? What, what should it look like in our church? Help us to balance uh, being faithful to the Lord with, what does it look like to, to loving our neighbor? What does that look like? And it causes us to think through things causes us to, to to sit down and, and evaluate and, and and to and to garnish each other's uh, opinion and each other's counsel and, and, and filtering all of that through the scriptures but it's but we can be confident in it because it's not our own ability that causes this again the voice we are the joined and, and, and held together are passive it's god acting so we yield ourselves to him we yield ourselves to God and ask Him to change us and, and to share and that, that goes all I mean, we can use that for our homes, we can use that for our parenting, we can use that for our grandparenting, we can use that for our relationship with our parents or with our, I mean, all that God, you work. You help me to submit and to yield, and God, I'm open to anything you want to do in my life. And, that's a, and God begins that pressure, that friction. and that's a good thing. One hundred nineteen Psalm says, "It's it's good that I suffer, in order that I can learn your statutes. In order that I can learn your statutes. But not only that, we also see that, that both of these have a have a s u n is, is the, the 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 word before prefix. Is, it's a soon. It's s u n. It's a soon prefix." And, and, and when you find words that are compound words in the Greek that begin with the soon uh, prefix, it always indicates a word that has been intensified. It also can be translated as the idea of with, but, it, it, but it, can, it, it, it has something that it's intensified. So we just not only are held together, we are intimately held together. We are not only joined, uh, 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 but, but, but we, are, we are intimately joined together. We are, I mean, we're as joined as joined can be. I mean, we're we're as tight as tight can be. I mean, we fit perfectly. We fit perfectly together. And we are intimately held by Him. Christ, the source of our corporate growth, skillfully fits and holds us together. It's It's His work. It's not our work. It's His work. And Paul next speaks to our stewardship of what Christ has provided. This is what Christ has provided. Christ has put us... I mean, there, there's, there's no air gaps. There's no places for bugs to crawl through. I mean, we have been fit together. We have been joined together. He's a skilled mason. And, 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 and he's continuing to cut. He's continually is polishing. He's continually holding us together. So... What is our stewardship of what he has provided? And he gives it here in the next phrase, by, and he talks about the means of our growth. Look at the next phrase that he used there. He says, the first phrase, from whom the whole body joined and held together. And then we have the next preposition, body growth. That's the next phrase that, falls under, that all goes back to that word by, that explains how, explains the means. And the means is, is you do what you do. The first time our church ever had a Super Bowl party was back in 1996. Now, then we didn't, we didn't limit it to the men then. We had a church Super Bowl party, for those of you that remember it, when we were back in the old building. And it was when the Cowboys played the Steelers. And we met together after church. And if you remember, I showed, after church, I changed and dressed into a gold uh, sweatsuit. Remember, I had my gold sweatsuit and my gold... Steelers towel, you know, and I, I, I back then I was an antagonist. OK, so I had on my 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 Steeler gold uh, sweatsuit and my 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 ta- what kind of towel, terrible towel, my terrible towel. And I had I had it swinging and I ate a lot of crow that night because that's the night when the Cowboys beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Now, the picture of that player there is Larry Brown. Larry Brown was the cornerback for the, for the Dallas Cowboys. He was the MVP of Super Bowl 30, and the reason why a cornerback was MVP of Super Bowl 30 is because he had two interceptions. One led to if I remember, I know one at least led to a score where he I think he ran it back and kind of sealed the game. And he was the MVP. And I still re- I remember this like it was yesterday. After the game, when a teammate of his was asked to comment on Brown's performance, he summed it up this way. He do what he do. What do you think about Larry's performance tonight? He'd do what he do. He do what he do. I'd never forgotten that. He do what he do. You say, how in the world does that fit with this? Well, Christ is the source of our corporate growth. He's the source. However. Because of our stewardship, the means by which that growth occurs is when the individual believer of that corporate body do what they do. Christ has put us together. Christ has complemented us. Christ cuts, He shapes, He polishes us, He smooths, and He holds us together. Now, what are we going to do with it? Well, we have to do what we do. And to fulfill our obligation to do what we do, first of all, requires everyone's involvement. Look at the text again. He says, by every joint with which it is, all of us are needed. Let me ask you, do you really see this church as a place where you're needed? You say, I'm not really needed. I'm old. I'm not really needed. That's a lie. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of spiritual gifts. And I'm, I'm not really an upfront person. I'm not really needed. That's a lie. If you're part of this church, you're part of the stones that God has placed here. And God has shaped you, and He's cut you, and He's smoothed you, and He polishes you, and He holds you together. And part of that stewardship is God expects you to do what you do. To do what you do to help us to grow. And to maintain our unity. This phrase also explains how you're to be involved. How you are to do what you do. The word there that's translated joint is the word "hafes," "hafes," And in this context, it is best understood as contact or connection. In fact, I believe the Net Bible translates it this way. By every supporting connection. By every supporting connection. In other words, involvement, what does it mean when he talks about here that that uh, how this happens is by every joint with which it's equipped or by every supporting connection. It simply means this. Involvement requires us to be in contact with one another. Now think about your joint. If I was to fall and my shoulder was to go out of joint. Somehow I fall and I land on my shoulder and my shoulder goes out of joint. What happens with my arm? Am I able to use that arm like I normally can? No, I can't. Why? Because the joint has lost contact. It's lost contact. But if Brett and Blake say, hey, we were in the service. We can get that thing. We can pop that thing in real quick. You know, You know. they pop my joint. You know, I'll scream while it's getting popped back into joint. But I'm able, I'm able to do this again. I'm able to move my arm again. I'm able to use it again. Why? Because my joints are in proper contact with one another. My joints have proper connection with each other. That's the word picture. That's the word picture. How do we do what we do? by staying in contact with one another by using our as we stay in contact with one another and using our spiritual gifts that God has equipped us with that's how we maintain our unity and that's how we're going to experience the growth that he's going to talk about here in just a second the the, the purpose of why we do this contact's important and that's why even if you have to find yourself uh, uh, having to stay at home because of, of what's going on. And, and, but but if, if that happens, get online. Watch the service. If that happens, call somebody this week and check on them and see how they're doing. Or, hey, I, I just, I, I missed you, I, I missed, I wasn't able to be there, I missed being there, just want just want to, and that's why, I just want to see how you're doing. That's why we leave those lists back there. That's why we have people that volunteer and take their times to see who's here and who's not here. And that's why we have those lists that are back there so that you can contact them because it's through contact that allows us to use our spiritual gifts and, and to let them know that they are important. They are important. And, 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 and their place here is a necessary place, because when the joints have proper contact, the body works properly. My joints are where how they're supposed to be. If my joints are making the contact that they're supposed to be making, my body is able to do what my body was designed to do. But anytime those joints lose contact, my body suffers. My body suffers. So he explains. How? He explains how. The second thing, in order us to fulfill our, co- our obligation to do what we do, requires everyone, and I like this phrase, stay in your lane, bro. I, I, I tried to bring up that AT&T commercial where the guy's getting the tattoo. Y'all seen that one? You know, the guy's sitting down there and it's his first tattoo. He says, yeah, I'm one of the artists in town. He says, "Well, you mean you're one of the best artists, in, best tattoo artists in town, you know? <laughs> yeah. and he, stay in your lane, bro. You know, stay in your lane." He said, "Oh, he says, aren't you supposed to draw that out?" He's getting ready to tattoo. Him. He says, "Aren't you supposed to draw that out first? <laughs> you know, before you give him the tattoo." He says, "Stay in your lane, bro. Stay in your lane." Well, here we need to stay in our lane. Stay in your lane, bro. As the net version, the net this, the ESV translates this next section as this. He says, "By uh, by every joint which is which is equipped, when each part is working properly, or as the net has it, as each one does its part, as each one does its part." Two things are being emphasized here. The first thing is the individual's responsibility to do their part. You have a part to play. If you are a member of this church and God has given you, and you're a member, which we're assuming then that you're a believer, at least we've asked you if you're a believer, you've made testimony that you're a believer, which means you do have a spiritual gift, which means you have a part to play, and God expects you to play that part. God expects you to fulfill that role. God expects you to take on that responsibility because each part has to do its job. Again, if it likens it to a body. If uh, Here the other night, it's been a few weeks ago, somehow I slept on my arm wrong and I was wanting to turn over and this arm, was, it was asleep. You ever had that happen? And I, I couldn't move it. I couldn't move it because I'd cut off the blood circulation to some degree there. And so I had to pick it up for me to roll over. I had to pick up my arm and move it where I wanted to move it. Because my head got in the way of my circulation, it caused this body part not to work the way it was supposed to. And because of that, I was was limited in what I had to do. I had to do something that normally I wouldn't have to do. Each of us is required to fill our role. But there's also something here that is so freeing. Not only is the fact that the individual is responsible to do their part, but it is our release from doing it all. My leg doesn't have to write a letter. My leg, my toes are not used to type out my notes for my message. I don't expect my toes to do everything I need to get done. I don't expect my toes to drive me home today. I don't expect one body part to get everything done. And what this says is it releases us from doing, one of the greatest moments I had in ministry at this church is when I finally came to realize I don't have to do it all. I don't have to do it all. And I don't. Now, I'm willing to. I'm willing to. And I'll, I'll just be transparent. I, I'm just going to be honest and transparent, and you can gasp, you can all, oh, you can do whatever you want to do. Okay? I never did like working in the Fall Festival. I never liked it. It's not me. I don't like it. You know? And I, 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 I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm thinking, you know, I, 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 but you know what? And what I did this year? I got in the parking lot and I loved every minute of it. I found my niche. I found my niche. Man, I talked to everybody that's walking up and walking out and, and greeting and meeting and, and, and walking around and got to carry my gun, you know, and, and all that stuff, make sure nothing's going to happen. And I, I found the place where I enjoyed serving and doing that. And I know Lisa and I have had, had this, well, what, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done, then my attitude is then it doesn't get done. If we don't have somebody to do it, then why should we expect one or two people to do it all? Or four or five, six people. If we don't have the people to do it, it just don't get done. Because it's our, it's our ministry, not my ministry. It's our ministry. It's our church's ministry. And we are to be corporately doing our part, which releases us from doing it all. Now, there's times I do think, I mean, that doesn't say, well, listen, God called me to preach, so if you think I'm going to set up a table and chairs, you got rocks in your head. You think I'm going to wash a dish? You're crazy. No, I can do that. And I need to do things like that. I need to to, to look to serve in in areas where I may not necessarily be expected to serve. And I, I need to do that. But at the same time, God does not want me or you to do it all. In fact, it's unhealthy. It indicates there's something wrong. If you see me driving with my feet home today you're going to say, there's something wrong with that boy. There's something wrong with him. Something's happened. You see me doing that, something's happened. Or I got my head in there trying to spin the steering wheel around, you know. Something's wrong with that boy. We don't expect one part to do it all. And... So that's why it's so important that everybody does their part. Because if, if, if one person, because what happens, now there are times when, I mean, you've seen those things, people that have, like, you know, uh, Tony Erickson Tata. She paints with her mouth. She puts a brush in her mouth because she can't, she's not able to use her arms. She's paraplegic, and she, she paints beautiful pictures with her mouth. She's had to adjust. And, and there, 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 there's times we have to do that. There's times we may have to go outside those kind of zones. But the normal, healthy way is everybody doing their part and everybody recognizing God doesn't expect me to do it all. That was a freeing moment for me when I realized I don't have to do it all. I don't have to do it all. Both if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, that's unhealthy. If I'm trying to do it all, that's unhealthy. The last statement Paul talks about, he tells us that each member is to function to the measure that Christ has given them. That's all, all Christ expects from me is what He's given me to the measure that He's given me. I have this ability to do this. And that's what Christ wants from me. As Paul makes his way to this last phrase, the last statement gives the result when we do what we do. Look at the text again. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. Okay? He says, happens. Growth happens. When we do what we do, growth happens. But then Paul closes by telling us the goal of that growth. Look at what he says. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself. As we do our part by exercising our gift in love. Look again. Look back at verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We experience individual growth, but we also experience corporate growth. We, as we do our part exercising our gift in love, the body, because of the individual acts of loving service, develops an atmosphere of love. You, you know as well as I know that, that a, child, a child will flourish better in a home where there is an atmosphere of familial, familial love. A child will flourish, has has a greater capacity of flourishing in a home where that child is loved rather than where that child is hated or unwanted. That child can flourish. And it's the same way with a church. It's the same way with a church. And when that happens, when we do what we do, when that happens, it becomes obvious to others it becomes obvious to those who are outsiders that when they come in those who, who are 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 looking those who are checking us out or whatever it can become obvious to them that this is a place where love abounds because we breathe in the atmosphere of love why do we breathe in the atmosphere of love because we experience that as growth why do we experience that as growth because we are doing what we're, we we do what we do we're doing what God has equipped us with, and everybody is doing their part. And, and as, as much as we're trying, they're not trying to, to lay the burden of the ministry of the church on any group of people or one particular person or several particular persons. And because of the fact that Christ is the source of our growth, who has cut us and polished us and put us together and holding us together, and because of that, because we're doing that, God in His grace and God in His mercy makes us a place where the goal of our growth is love. It builds itself up in love. In love. Christ is skillfully joining and holding us together. He's skillfully joining and holding us together. And no one here, no one here is required to do it all. To do it all. In fact, it's unhealthy to try. It's unhealthy to try. And if you were to come to me and say, well, if, if it doesn't get done. Okay. That's, 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 that's on the church. It's not on me. That's not on me. It's on the church. It's on the church. But each of us is required to do our part to the degree to which we have been equipped. I, mean, I would love it. I'm not sure if it's going to happen this way. And when Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and somebody says, Why is he saying that to him? Because he do what he do. <laughs> he do what he do. He was faithful in what, what, what God had given him to do. And we need to praise our God that through our continual provision in Christ and our commitment to do our part, this body will continually grow corporately in love. In love. It will be a place where it's obvious that we love one another because we're willing to serve one another with the gifts that God has given us. We're willing to do our part because we love you. Because we love one another, we're not going to overburden anybody because we love one another. You know, I, I, you know, I, and, I, and I can be bad at this at time. I can be home before Lisa gets in and I can be sitting down in my chair and she comes in and she's dragging this and she's dragging this and she's dragging this, and I'm sitting there. Hey, honey, how's your day? You know, when I need to get my rear end up and get out there and help her bring the stuff in or go get it. Why? Because it's an act of love an act of service of love and an act of service to where she shouldn't be burdened to have to do all of that all of that and when we live that way as a church we can't help but have an atmosphere where love abounds because we know we are willing to lay down our preferences and lay down our likes and and do that and find some way in which we we can help and that we can serve so that no one person or no one group or no one individual has to do it all. Because that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. I think we've got a pretty good atmosphere of love in this church. I really do. And why I think that is because of the testimony of some of you when you've become part of this church. These people love each other but it's something that just doesn't happen automatically it's something that doesn't happen because it, it it's it's just kind of we just kind of tend to be loving people by nature it happens because we're fulfilling this we're 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 seeking to maintain our unity by exercising our spiritual gift so that the burden's not placed on any one group or one person or or a set of individuals we're, we're recognizing how God wants where God wants us to serve and how He wants us to serve, so that we can put our shoulder to the wheel, we can do our part, and when everybody is putting their shoulder to the wheel and doing their part, we grow, and we are built up in love. And God is pleased, and that's the kind of growth He's demanded. He's commanded for every church to experience. One day this church may be a large numeric church. That wouldn't bother me a bit. It might be. It might not ever be. But what it can be, and what it should be, and what this church and churches that are 100 times bigger than this church are to be as well, are churches where love abounds. And we grow as the text says we build ourselves up in love so that makes the body grow it makes the body grow so that with this goal that it builds itself up in love in love let's pray Father we do thank you for this day and thank you for your word thank you for its instruction thank you for its encouragement Thank you for how it releases us. Thank you for the areas where it frees us up, that we don't have to live in guilt, live in bondage. Areas where we are encouraged and challenged, where we are confronted with what is expected from us, what we are called to do, what we must do. And Father, we're thankful, Father, that all this is sourced in your Son. Uh, It's not sourced in us, but it's sourced in Him. Help us to to walk obediently in in Your Word. Help us, Father, to um, take these truths and apply it to our lives that would enable us to be a church that is growing, and a church that is being built up in love. We thank You, Lord, for this time, and thank You for this opportunity. and pray Your blessings now as we continue our worship by seeking to respond to you in a way that is um, biblical. We pray these things in Christ's name uh, through the Spirit. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we don't have an altar call, but we do have an invitation. And we do want to uh, encourage you today to, to respond to what it is that God wants from your life today. We, we don't know what it is. We're not certain what God may want for you today. But we, we do know that there, God wants to speak to your life about something today. And we want to give you that opportunity to um, speak to Him about whatever your need is. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, uh, we trust and pray that you'll you'll put your faith and trust in Him. Uh, Your only hope of being accepted by God is through what Christ has done for you. There's nothing you can do to earn His acceptance. Christ offers you His saving grace if you'll put your faith and trust in who He is, and what He accomplished for you on that cross. For those of us who are believers, uh, we want to encourage you. uh, As you ask, am am I doing my part? Or am I going the other way? Am I going the other way? Um, God God expects us to do what He's gifted us to do. God also releases us from feeling like we've got to do it all. No one's to do it all. Again, it doesn't make sense in a body. No no body part can do it all. So we want to give you an opportunity to, to speak to the Lord about whatever it is that uh, you need to speak to Him about today. And so we'll go to the Lord in a time of silence, and then after a time of silence we'll have prayer and we'll continue our worship through our giving. Let's go to the Lord.